He is failing them terribly. And this is why he needs to be recalled. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm going to run for governor of the state of California. Two years before Arnold Schwarzenegger ran for governor of California, he hired me to look into his public record and prepare what's known in oppo research as a vulnerability study. Think of a vulnerability study as a political self-audit. A candidate commissions oppo research on him or herself in order to anticipate and prepare for attacks in a future campaign. Arnold gave me access to his personal clip files. I read a lot of bodybuilder magazines. Early on in the project, I came across something that didn't look right. In some sources, I read he attended Santa Monica Community College. Other articles said he had taken classes at UCLA Extension. Another publication mentioned yet another college. Of course, I thought the worst. Maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger had fudged his academic credentials. I'd seen that a few times in my oppo research career. Generally, lying about your education record is hazardous to your political health. As Joe Biden found out in 1987. The first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. Actually, Biden graduated 76th in a law school class of 85 students. His various misrepresentations and lifting speeches from other politicians ended his first run for the White House. I met with Arnold in his office in Santa Monica. I shared what I had discovered, conflicting news accounts of where he'd gone to school. And I asked him, what's going on? They're all correct, he said. Arnold explained that he had a work visa after he first arrived in the United States. There was a rule which limited the number of college units he could take. It was a stupid rule, he smiled. Arnold wanted to work full-time and go to school full-time. He figured out that colleges didn't check with each other, so he enrolled in three schools simultaneously. As a jaded opposition researcher, I was pleasantly surprised. That didn't happen very often. Repeat the oath of office after me. I, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do solemnly swear. Solemnly swear. In this episode of Oppophile, we'll cover vulnerability studies when Oppo research is a mirror into which a candidate must confront every flaw. I've literally had a candidate give me his national security clearance form. I don't think he ever looked at me in the same way again. Somebody approached him and he said he had this report and Wayne would have to meet him at the side of a state highway in the middle of the night. From Last 5% Media, I'm Joseph Rodota, and this is Oppophile. Whether you're running for dog catcher or president of the United States, you should be doing research. Jeff Berkowitz directed opposition research for the Republican National Committee in the 2010 midterm elections. That year, Republicans took control of the House of Representatives and gained six seats in the U.S. Senate. Um, is, there, is there a remote clicker, or do I just need to use the... Oh, uh, okay. That's fine. Um, Shortly after the election, Jeff spoke in Washington, D.C. at the American University Campaign Management Institute. 
It's a boot camp for future campaign managers and political consultants. Research is a lot like peeling an onion. You're going to go from layer to layer, and hopefully you make your opponent cry as opposed to yourself. Jeff explained that opposition research isn't just a tool for understanding your opponent. It's also a tool for understanding yourself. Everybody has some vulnerability. It's just a matter of knowing what they are and then figuring out how you deal with them. This is the way I would put it in a nutshell. Doing a a really contested New York campaign, New York City campaign, is like doing a presidential campaign, but you're doing it on the playing field of about a radius of 20 miles. This is Chris Lyon. After working as an oppo researcher in George H.W. Bush's 1988 presidential campaign, Chris headed to New York City. New York is the media capital of the country, so you've got intense media scrutiny. You've got all the TV people covering it. But back then, there were like five daily newspapers covering this. It is incredibly intense. And, and from a, from a you know, research perspective, tremendously fun tremendously fun. In 1989, Rudy Giuliani ran for mayor against David Dinkins, the borough president of Manhattan. It was Giuliani's first time as a candidate, and it showed. Rudy's law firm, I guess, had done some legal work for either the Panamanian government or Noriega directly. And what happens is he's on a bus, I think on his campaign kickoff, and someone says, hey, Rudy, uh, people say that you represent Noriega, is that true? And it completely blindsided him. The race was very close. Dinkins won by only two percentage points, 50 to 48. Almost immediately, Giuliani and his advisors started planning a rematch. Giuliani's longtime friend and campaign manager, Peter Powers, asked Chris to come to the campaign office in Midtown Manhattan. Powers reflected on what went wrong in the first campaign. We made a mistake last time. We didn't do a vulnerability study. We didn't anticipate what our problems would be, and we were unprepared to respond. So this time, we're not going to make the same mistake. Powers gave Chris a sensitive assignment. We want you to do a vulnerability study on Rudy. A vulnerability study is sometimes called self-research. Generally, what you do as the research person is you put a hat on as if you are working for the opposition and you take the pose of saying, if I were working for someone who was trying to defeat Rudy Giuliani, what issues would I raise? What vulnerabilities do I see in his record? And in you know most cases, we as researchers would put together a book and say, we have done a book on you. And if we were running against you, these are the issues and these are the things that we would raise and that we think they would create political problems for you. Powers wanted the study to go one step further. One of the things Powers specifically asked of me was, let's assess an issue, think about it, and then think about a pivot and a rebuttal strategy. The purpose is really to inoculate. You want your candidate to think about places where they may have trouble and then recognizing that they may have some trouble, think about what to do so that that vulnerability is 
not as harmful as it might otherwise be. Chris had a budget, an assistant, a smart young lawyer, and a deadline, five months. Rudy had kept all of these wonderful clipbooks through the years, and they were his possession. Chris started with Giuliani's personal media files. So they were black, three-ring binders. People had actually clipped the articles and then kind of pasted them onto a page and, and then, you know, put a three-hole punch on the page and then put them into books. And I just had all these stacks of these binders as I was, you know, going one by one uh, through the binders. And, and the thing is, I mean, Giuliani had a long, long record. The study begins with a chronology of Giuliani's professional career, beginning with his graduation from law school in 1968. From there, the study dives into various topics Chris anticipated would come up in the mayoral campaign. There's a discussion of Giuliani's opposition to bereavement leave for a gay person who had lost a partner. Media reports that Giuliani was insensitive to Jewish defendants, that he mishandled a crisis involving refugees from Haiti. Chris dug deep into controversies about public safety, race, and policing. And as Peter Powers had directed, Chris suggested ways to push back against attacks. Giuliani in the 1970s was, as a young assistant U.S. attorney right out of law school, he was working on the famous kind of Serpico cases of police corruption in the early 1970s in New York City. So, for example, if people said, Rudy Giuliani is too pro-police. He loves the cops. And because he loves the cops, he doesn't like people of color. We would say, okay, there's the attack. And, you know, here may be some other instances that might lead you to believe that Giuliani is too, too close to the police. But then here's some information that you should also consider. As an assistant U.S. attorney, he prosecuted 26 corrupt police officers, never losing a case from 1970 you know, to 1973 or something. Section D of the book is titled Personal Vulnerabilities. It includes a summary of various deferments Giuliani obtained, which kept him out of the Vietnam War, as well as quotes in which Giuliani comes off as arrogant. And it includes something else. He did something called the weirdness factor. The weirdness, uh, weirdness factor. factor. He was married to his cousin. And, you know, uh, there were questions about his best friend, the priest, Alan Plaka, who was kind of a tricky guy. And there were just some things that were like, yeah, a little weird. Giuliani's first wife was also his second cousin. When they broke up after 14 years, the couple's marriage was annulled. Again, not saying we're judging you and we don't like you, but... We're trying to give you a comprehensive and, you know, we're trying to make our position so, so it's so strong that it's unassailable. So we have to think about these things. In April 1993, after working for five months, Chris turned in the vulnerability study. We basically put together like three books. Again, this is in 1993. So I guess, relatively speaking, kind of the Stone Age. And we produced hard copy books. Giuliani took a copy home. A week passed, then another week. On the day I become mayor, the old political system that is dragging the city down is out! And again, it's a big book, but 
finally, it's like, what's the word with the book? And it's like, uh, don't ask about the book. <laughs> don't ask. Eventually, Chris got some feedback. Not what he was hoping for. And uh, it was not well received by Rudy. <laughs> he did not like it. Chris worried he'd screwed up somehow. And then, you know, they would give me assurances, you know, hey, kid, you did a nice job, but Rudy, not ha- he's not happy. The next time Chris was in the same room with Rudy Giuliani, their relationship had clearly changed. He was giving me kind of a dirty look. It was, uh, it was not good. It's like, oh, no. You know, I think Rudy hates me. And it was like, I don't think he ever looked at me in the same way again. Chris turned his attention to oppo research on the incumbent mayor, David Dinkins. But Chris kept thinking about that vulnerability study. I thought we had done good work, right? And we had certainly poured our hearts out, right? And we were doing, trying to do the best we could. So I'm like, oh, what does the candidate say? Like, how, how are we doing? Like, and again, it was like radio silence. Until he heard something. So then what comes down from on high is he wants all copies destroyed. Chris and his assistant turned over all copies of the Giuliani study. And they turned over their computers so tech support could wipe the hard drives clean. It was as if the words had never been written. And I don't think that there's any question but that he was one of the most effective prosecutors of public corruption and white-collar crime that the country's ever seen. The late Wayne Barrett covered Giuliani's political career from the very start. Barrett wrote two books about Giuliani, Rudy, which came out in 2001, and Grand Illusion, the untold story of Rudy Giuliani and 9-11, which came out in 2006. We became very friendly. We kind of had, a, I thought, a shared value system. Let's get the bad guys. He was going after the bad guys I had written about for years, and he was going after them quite effectively. Uh, my name is Fred Smith. I worked with the New York City Board of Education as a data analyst and educational researcher. Fred Smith was a regular reader of The Village Voice, the weekly paper where Wayne Barrett worked as a reporter. Smith was a source for Barrett on a couple of cover stories about the performance of New York's public schools. Barrett reached out to Smith for help with the biography, deciphering Giuliani's record on crime. Giuliani took credit for the decrease in crime uh, during the course of his administration. And uh, Wayne felt, had his own view of why crime went down. And he asked me, could I kind of delve into that issue? And we, I was able to use the FBI reports and the state reports to kind of, what I would say, deconstruct the crime reduction statistics. And then one day, Barrett told Fred that something very valuable had fallen into his lap the 1993 vulnerability study on Rudy Giuliani. This sort of uh, is almost like, seems almost like fictional, but he, he just vaguely said somebody approached him and he said he had this report and Wayne would have to meet him at the side of a state highway in the middle of the night. And I pictured that as probably a, a moonless night by the side of a road somewhere. And uh, that's how Wayne told me he got the report. And Wayne had a request. And he says, hey, um, Fred, I need you to do something for me. I want you to make a copy of this. Now, for the first time I can reveal, I made it at the 
Board of Education on their Xerox machine. Wayne asked Fred to hold on to the copy. And I want you to keep a copy. You be the custodian of that, that report. And I said, okay. So then I put it away. Fred Smith forgot about the book for 22 years. Want to hear something funny? Rudy Giuliani was once the mayor of New York City. (laughs) On July 25, 2019, President Donald Trump called Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky. He asked Zelensky to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden and to work with U.S. Attorney General William Barr and his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. The disclosure of that call placed Giuliani in the center of a political crisis on a scale not seen since Watergate. Giuliani seemed to be on TV constantly. CNN's Chris Cuomo asked Giuliani to clarify his role in the affair. Did you ask the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? No, actually I didn't. I asked the Ukraine to investigate the allegations that there was interference in the election of 2016 by the Ukrainians for the benefit of Hillary Clinton. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. Fred Smith remembered the vulnerability study of Rudy Giuliani. Well, I didn't remember at first where I put it, but I became somebody who kept my files, a lot of files of my years with Wayne. Yeah, it took me a while. And then, you know, sometimes you look for something And even though you don't find it right away, you go back to the same spot and you still don't find it. Once I started thinking about it and trying to figure out where it was, I stumbled upon it in the bottom of a closet under a pile of worksheets that addressed um, the major crime categories. Well, suddenly I found the box and lo and behold, it was in the box. On January 13th of this year, two days before the House voted to send articles of impeachment to the Senate, City Limits, a website that investigates New York City government, published all 464 pages of the Giuliani vulnerability study. All of a sudden it comes back on the scene and it was a surprise to me. Chris Lyon hadn't seen his own report since he was asked 27 years ago to turn over every copy plus his computer hard drive. My initial reaction is like, uh, I don't want to see research products that I did, you know, floating around on the internet for all the world to see. I don't know enough about the inside of how these things work, but at the time with um, Giuliani, as I say, becoming, I like to say, unavoidable, I thought somebody might pick it up. Uh, for the insight it had into Giuliani and for the um, relevance between his personality and his behavior and President Trump's. Donald Trump makes an appearance in the study. In 1987, Trump told the New York Post, if Rudy decides to run for public office, I hold Rudy in very high esteem and I would be very helpful to Rudy. This shows up in a section about Giuliani being perhaps too closely aligned with Manhattan real estate developers. As Fred Smith reread the study, he was struck by the similarities between Trump and Giuliani. I think it explains Giuliani now, his role and his uh, 
you know, he seems to be willing to go to any level. And uh, also it explains, I think, the fact that both of them seem to be so uh, alike that it's almost like alter egos. But there is one big difference between the two men. Giuliani commissioned an in-depth vulnerability study to prepare for his campaign. In 2015, aides to Donald Trump urged him to authorize a vulnerability study as he launched his campaign for the White House. Trump refused. We're going to end this episode of Oppophile back in New York in 1993. On the title page of the vulnerability study on Rudy Giuliani, Chris Lyon included a quote from Sun Tzu's The Art of War, a military manual from the 5th century BC. The art of war teaches us to rely not on the likelihood of the enemies not coming, but on our readiness to receive him, not on the chance of his not attacking, but rather on the fact that we have made our position unassailable. In the next episode of Oppophile, I don't take issue with the fact that elements of this television commercial and elements of the radio ad have a negative twist to them. And when I started looking at his expenditures, it um, was very alarming in an electrifying way because, you know, right before my eyes, I realized then and there that we were going to beat Mike Pence. We'll go back to 1991 when a failed congressional candidate swears off opposition research and negative campaigns forever. I think we don't Mr. need Pence, thank you very much. negative personal attacks in a campaign for governor. Mr. We Pence. want a governor that will attack the issues and not his opponents. Mr. Pence, thank you very much. He was caught flat-footed, um, and he never recovered. Join us for the next episode of Oppophile. Oppofile is a production of Last 5% Media. Our production manager is Caitlin Bruce. Our sound engineer is Jeremy Damas. Our researchers are Adam Melian and Lisa Wang. Andrew Greenwood is our designer, and our website is by Edgar Guerra. We'd like to thank Workhouse Media, Studio To Be, Chris George, Gary Maloney, Cassandra Pye, District Productive, R Street Recording, and our listeners and guests. For more information on this podcast, check out our website at www.opofile.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Opofile. If you enjoyed this episode of Opofile, please subscribe and leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now and share Opofile with your friends. Thanks for listening and please join us on the next episode of Opofile.